today, if you download that, and listen, every Saturday we put up sermon notes on version. You can download those and follow along with us. And so I just want to say that because I get, I get that question a lot, and I just thought that would help, okay? But it's important. Get one you can understand. Get one you can understand. All right, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Uh, I know Stephen just prayed, but I want to pray again. All right, let's pray one more time. All right, let's pray again. Father, I thank you that you are already here. God, just, uh, just singing these songs and, and knowing where we're heading. God, you have put this together. And so, Father, we thank you right now for what you are going to do. God, we thank you right now for what you have already said in the songs that we've sung and what you're about to say to us from the Bible. Father, we love you. God, we love your word. We love Jesus. We love the Holy Spirit. Father, we, we thank you that you're at work. We thank you that you brought these people. Thank you for this church that you're creating, that you've started. God, for what's happening here, we give you glory in your name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. Let's read these, all right? Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day. Everybody say the day. Everybody say it. The day. As you see the day drawing near. Well, today we are in part four of a series that we've been in uh, for the past couple of weeks called Family Values. And what we're doing every single week in this series is we're putting out on the table for everybody just to know who we are, what kind of church we are. Every week, a different core value. Core values really determine how you think, how you operate as individuals, as organizations. And what we said, what we said in the very first week, every church has core values. And so we just wanted to put out here, hey, here's our core values. Here's what we believe at our core that determines what we do, how we act as a church. And so first one, we said our first core value is that we won't take this for granted. We're going to be thankful for what God is doing. Listen, we're going to be thankful right now. We want to thank God. Next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. And right now we have eight people signed up for Baptism Sunday. That's awesome, isn't it? That's awesome. You can clap for that. You can get excited. That's awesome. We, we, won't, we won't take that for granted. We want to thank God for that kind of thing. Our second one was whatever it takes. We'll do whatever it takes to see people have a saving relationship with Jesus. We want to see this region, we want to see eastern Kentucky have a relationship with Jesus. We're going to do whatever it takes to see that happen. Last week was transform people, transform the world. And what we said last week, and what I loved about last week, and this happened, uh, is people left last week and they looked at each other and they said, how can we transform the world? And so you've seen the, you can give donations to help out the Ronald McDonald House out there in our lobby and all area McDonald's. And, and just all kinds of different cool things happened last week because transformed people transform the world. But today, I, I think today, I think today may be, may be the hardest one for us. I, I think today may be the hardest one, the one, that we, the one that we struggle with to believe the most, or the one that we, that we wish we didn't have to admit was true. But deep down, if we're honest, we know it is. Our fourth core value that we're going to talk about today is that we can't do this alone. We can't do this alone. And see, that's hard for us to admit that we can't do this alone. We can't do life alone. It's hard for us to admit how weak we are and that we need help because we're Americans, baby. Well, I mean, we're from day one. We're taught independence. We can do whatever we want as long as we stick our minds to it. We just suck it up. We can do it. Maybe some of you are even here and you think this. 
You don't need anybody else. You ever met somebody who says that? I don't need anybody else. Right? Maybe you're here and that's where you're at. Or, 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 or I, I hear this a lot of times from people who, who have been a Christian for a little bit. They, they figured out how to put a little spiritual spin on it. And so every once in a while I hear people say this. I've got Jesus. That's enough. It's me and Jesus. That's all I need. Well, listen, when you go to the Bible, independence is not a value that's close to the heart in the Bible. Independence is not something that's at the center of the Bible. Instead, when you go to the Bible, what you're going to see is that God made us to live in community. God made us, He made you, He made me to live in relationships. And so really this goes back to even before the very beginning, before God created anything. God has always existed in relationships. See, because the Bible says that God is a trinity. There's one God, there's one God, and that one God exists as three distinct persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So there's one God who exists as three distinct persons. You say, wow, Mark, that's deep. Can you explain a little bit more? No, quit yelling at me. That's all I know, all right? That says that's as good as it's going to get. That's what the Bible says. We believe it. But what you see happening there is that God's always existed in community. Jesus, in fact, John 17, Jesus is praying, and Jesus prays to God his Father, and he says, God, I pray that we, that they, uh, talking about the church, I pray that they would have the same love for each other that you and I have. God exists in community. And then you read the Bible. God creates the nation of Israel, a community of people who have relationships with one another. You fast forward a little bit. Jesus comes and Jesus creates the 12 disciples. There's a smaller community. And then right before, right after Jesus ascends to heaven, He and the Father, they send the Holy Spirit who creates the church, a new community of people. You read the New Testament. You read the New Testament. Most of the, most of the books in the New Testament were letters written to churches. And one of the things you'll see over and over in the New Testament is this phrase. It's used over 60 times, this phrase, one another. In fact, you saw it in uh, verse 25 that we read. One another. Care for one another. Love one another. Carry one another's burdens. And so there's this emphasis all through the Bible that you and I, we were made for relationships. We were made for community. Listen to me. The most important thing that you'll ever have is a relationship with Jesus. The most important thing you will ever have in your life is a relationship with Jesus. If you're here, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't care what level of life you've achieved. I don't care what you've gained in your life. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, everything you've ever worked for, you'll lose when you die. He's the only thing you'll ever have and you'll never lose even in death. A relationship with Jesus is the most important thing you'll ever have. But that relationship with Jesus was never meant to be just you and him in isolation away from other people. No, instead, your relationship with Jesus was meant to be lived out in a community, relationships with other people. Because we can't do this alone. And so, so here's what I'm going to need for you today. I'm going to need a commitment from you today. You are about to make a commitment to me, all right? I need this commitment to you today. If this is going to work, if this sermon's going to roll well, I need this commitment from you today. I need you to make a commitment. And I know this is really hard in church. This is dangerous to make this kind of commitment in church, but we're going to see if we can pull it off anyway. I need you to, comm- I need you to make a commitment today that you'll be honest. 
I need you just to make the commitment that today you're going to be honest with yourself. You're going to be honest with God. You're going to be honest with the people around you. Will you make that commitment? If you'll make that commitment, say yes. There, yes. Now, there was enough yeses that everybody that didn't say anything, peer pressure is on you to be honest. And I believe that you'll just follow the crowd because that's what people do. But you need to be honest. And so what we've done today is, is I've tried to, t- tried to put, put, put everything in three statements that really you could say to other people. If you were honest, you would say these things about yourself because deep down you already know that you can't do this alone. So if you're taking notes, let me give you three things today that if you're honest, you will admit these are true for me, and I know it, but I wish they were not true. Number one, the first thing, if, if we're, if we're going to admit we can't do this alone, first thing we need to admit I'm not as strong as you think I am. I'm, this is for me too. This is me telling you this too. I'm not as strong as you think I am. I remember when I was in high school. Uh, in high school, I took weightlifting. I took weightlifting as a class in high school. And you can tell by looking at me that it's something that I've carried on to this day. Why are you laughing? That was not a joke. Come on. But, um, but, but seriously, I, I, I know, you're laughing because you're intimidated by my physical presence, I understand. Um, but one of the things about high school weightlifting is you've got to understand how high school weightlifting class worked. This is how it worked when I was in high school at Knott Central. I don't know how it worked for you, but this is just how it worked in my class. The class was really, really long. It was like over an hour or so long. And I remember this. For the first 15 minutes, everybody would lift weights. Then for the next 60 minutes, everybody would stand in front of the mirror and flex. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So we would work really hard for 15 minutes and, and lift weights and do some curls and then bench press and then we would all get standing in front of the mirror. Yeah! You know what I'm saying? You know, dude, check that out, dude. 15 minutes, bro. You know what I'm saying? And we would look at what would happen in that 15 minutes because in our minds what we thought was, hey, you know what? I'm stronger than I really was, than I was 15 minutes ago. Look at this. I'm already busting out of this shirt I wore to school today. All in 15 minutes. Or, or, or if that wouldn't happen, or if that wouldn't happen, we would lift weights for a little bit, and then we would all sit together as a group of high school guys, and then we would start to ask the question that every high school guy asks and has been asked. You know where I'm going with this. We look at each other, we say, how much you benching? And, and you know that's a competition, right? You know that's a competition. And here's something, I'm just being, and again, I made the commitment to be honest. I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to mo- model that for you. You know, understand, when I was in high school, pounds. I look like this freak in high school. I, I look like a 12-year-old girl with this massive head in high school. And, and so, so I was just, so, so, so listen, so, so God is my witness. I knew the bar in the weight room in Not Central when I was there, it weighed 75 pounds, and I knew that thing was making me cry every time I tried to bench that puppy. And so what you need to know is when somebody would look at me and say, Mark, how much you bench? I would look back and I would say, more than last week. But here's what I also noticed, because I, I, knew, I knew that if I said it with some authority, just fake it. Um, they wouldn't, ma- well, well, let's try it. <laughs> let's go. You know, that was never going to happen if you just say it like you could do it. But here's what would happen. I noticed that when it would actually happen, when the, man, I could do this now, you know, like 100 pounds in one week, just a 100 pound advance in one week. But when they would try it, it didn't go so well. I, I all of a sudden started to notice that everybody was lying. See, because what was going on was everybody wanted everybody else to think they were stronger than they really were. 
And have you ever noticed that church can be the exact same way? You ever notice that? Church can be the exact same way. So that we want everybody at our church to think we're stronger than we really are. Somebody walks up to you. This happened at Summit already. This house already happened at Summit. Because it happens at every church every single week. People walk up to you. Hey, how are you doing? And you look back at them and you say what? Good. Knowing you're lying. You know what I'm saying? No, knowing it's not. Somebody walked up to some parents here at Summit this morning. Hey, how you doing? Ah, oh, we're doing great. We've had the best week ever. And you know and God knows that this is the week that you put your kids up for sale on eBay. You know you did it. You know they got on your last nerve and they're already up for sale and you've got a bid for a quarter and you're going for it. Like, you know that was the week. But you look at them. Oh, we're doing great. We just love each other. Right? We can do that in the church. See, here's what we know. From verse 24, this is God wrote the Bible. And so God is saying in verse 24, you need to be stirred up. Stir each other up. You need to be motivated. So just from the fact that in that verse, God is telling you, he's telling me, hey, you need to be stirred up. You need to be motivated. We can take away from that that God already knows I'm not as strong as I want you to think I am. You're not as polished as you want other people to think you are. You're, you're, you're not as, as put together as we hope everybody really thinks we are. If we were to be really honest with everybody around us today, we would have to admit we're a whole lot weaker than we wish we were. One of the verses in the Bible that always hits me in the gut, it's just a real gut check for me, is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, you might want to write that down and look it up later. It just simply says this, Let anyone who thinks that he stands... Take heed, lest he fall. Let anybody who thinks he stands, take heed, lest he fall. You say, Mark, what's that mean? Here's what that means. It means you're a whole lot closer to blowing it than you think you are. It means you're a whole lot closer to giving up than you think you are. It means you're a whole lot closer to making that decision that destroys your family and destroys everything God wants to do in your life than you think you are. You better watch out, because you're not as strong as you think you are. I'm not as strong as you think I am. Second thing, we just need to be honest about and admit today, not only am I not as strong as you think I am, but secondly, I need you to keep me going. I need you to keep me going. Look at the person next to you and tell them that. Look at the person next to you and say, I need you to keep me going. Go ahead and do it. I don't think that went so well. Look at your second choice. Look at the person you didn't want to look at the first time. Look at the second choice and tell them, I need you to keep me going. There you go. That's good. That's good. I like that. See, here's what's happening. Here's the, reason that, here's the reason that these two verses are in the Bible. Here's what's going on here. In verse 25, people have already quit. I mean, look at verse 25 again with me. It says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. We don't know who these people are, but here's what we do know about these people. They stopped getting together with other Christians. They stopped going to church. They stopped doing other things. They don't show up anymore. And just based on that, God is saying, they've already given up. They're in a dangerous place. Don't be like those people. Listen to me, church. That's why it's important that you come here every Sunday. That's why it's important that you come here 
every Sunday. Now listen, now listen, listen. Don't walk away from that and say, well, man, Mark said we can't go on vacation. Mark said we can't do this. Yes, you can. I've been waiting for you to take me to Disney World the entire time, and you ain't asked yet, so you can do that kind of stuff, right? I ain't saying don't go on vacation. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what you need to understand, and a lot of you are new to Christianity, new to the faith. This is awesome what God is doing here, but here's what I want all of us to understand. There is a spiritual dynamic at work right here this morning that's almost impossible to put into words. In fact, after this series, we're going to do a three-part series called Know Your Enemy. Three parts. Because the Bible said you've got three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. First Peter says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So here's what you need to know. You need to know that every step you try to take towards God, Satan will be there to try to stop you. And listen, he's not going to come at you and try to get you to deny Christianity. He's not going to come at you and try to get you to do something crazy or scandalous at the beginning. He's going to be really subtle about it and just try to pull you away from what we're doing right now. Hey, won't you just quit going? You got Jesus, you're fine. You don't need that stuff. But see, what's going on here in 24 and 25 is deeper than simply coming to church. It's deeper than simply coming to church. What's going on here in the verses we read and what God is telling us we need to be a part of if we're going to say, hey, you know what, we can't do this alone. What's going on here is that these are Christians. These are people who are in some kind of environment where people are looking them in the eye and they're saying, hey, you need to keep going. Where they are looking people in the eye and they're saying, hey, you need to keep going. I don't know what they were called, but for our sake, we'll just say that they were a part of life groups, all right? That's called product placement, by the way. We'll talk about life groups in a minute. But they were in some kind of environment where somebody was looking at them and saying, hey, you need to keep going. They were telling people, hey, you need to keep going. And see, you and I, we need to be in the exact kind of environment. We need to be in some kind of atmosphere, some kind of environment where people who know our lives can look at us and say, you need to keep going. Don't quit. You can can think about it this way. Think about it this way. Where are my hunters at? Anybody that's a hunter? Anybody, where are my hunters at this morning? There we go. Hands are going up. Hands are going up all over the room. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Put the hands down. Um, man, I, I, hunters, are, hunters are amazing people because uh, if you hunt, then you think it's fun to go into the woods with a gun and rub deer pee on yourself and wait and shoot an animal. And, I mean, hey, listen, if that's how you roll, that's how you roll. Uh, you probably are armed right now, and I just want to say that's great. I've never done that, uh, but I, that's great. Well, you, you just do that. Um, but here's what I do know. I've never been hunting before. I've never rubbed deer pee on myself before. But here's what I know. I know, I know, I know, before you go, you got to get a hunting license. Some of you are like, no, you don't. You can just rub the deer pee on yourself and get a gun. I know, I know. I, there's some gangster hunters in the room this morning. I know, I know you're here. I know you're here. We're glad you're here. But for legit hunters who rub deer pee on themselves and do it the right way, uh, they get a hunting license. See, you need to know there need to be people who have hunting licenses for your lives. There needs to be people in your life who have permission to go after you and to say, don't do that. You need to make this decision. You need to keep going that path. Keep going. See, he gives us, I think, at least two ways in this passage that we can keep each other going. The first way that he says we can do this is to provoke one another. Provoke each other. He says in verse 24, he says, stir up one another. In the original language, which is Greek, stir up there, it literally means to provoke one another. To provoke. You ever been provoked to do something? 
You've been provoked to do something, right? You hear a noise in your house, it's late at night. Guys, you're provoked to do what? Roll over to your wife and have her go check it out. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's a bad move. Don't take notes there, men. But right, you're provoked to do things, right? He's telling us here, hey, we need to provoke each other in the Christian life. See, there are people here in the room right now, you need to be provoked. You need to be provoked to not quit because this has been a hard season for you. Stuff's comes down the pike for you and it wasn't in your day planner and you don't know if you're going to keep going and you know and God knows you're on the edge of giving up. Don't give up. I want to stand on the stage. I just want to provoke you to stay in the game. Don't walk out on God. He's not walking out on you. Don't give up. Some of you, you need to be provoked to take the next step in your walk with Jesus. You know that you need to sign up for Baptism Sunday. Just do it. Just do it. Nobody's going to come up out of the baptism tank next Sunday and say, well, I regret doing that. Now, they're going to probably come up and say, it's cold! But they're not going to say they regret it. Don't be in the audience next Sunday with regrets. I should be up there. Well, then be up here. Sign up. When Life Groups launch weekly in January the 11th, Maybe that's the next step God's leading you to take. Just show up, 6.30, conference room, primary care center. For some of you, you need, to be prov- you need to be provoked to take the very next step. Give your life to Jesus. That's the, you need to be provoked to take the first step. You've been coming here every week, hearing these messages. You've never done it. Listen, don't put it off next week. Don't put it off later on. Today's the day. Today's the day when you give your life to Jesus for the first time. Do it today. Some of you, though, you need to be provoked to get out of something, to not do certain things. Some of you, you're on the edge of making the decision that you know will destroy your family. You say, ah, they're just text messages, they're innocent. Ah, they're just emails, we're just flirting a little bit, nothing wrong with that. You know that that relationship is going to a level it should never go to. You need to get out of that. It's going to kill you. It's going to destroy your family. You need to be provoked to get out of there. Second, second way he says that we can keep each other going is encouragement. He says it in verse 25, encouraging one another. Man, encouragement is powerful, isn't it? Ha, ha, have you ever been encouraged by somebody? Maybe a note, maybe a word, maybe an email, whatever it is. And from that word of encouragement, it kept you going. That ever happened to you? Now, I was thinking about this. I, I, thought, I thought of this example and I won't go into a lot of details, but uh, we're from here. My, my family and I, we lived out of, out of this area for several years doing ministry in other churches. And before we came here, uh, I was extremely discouraged. A lot of things were going on in our lives. That, and I had almost given up on the idea that God was ever going to use my life. I was so discouraged and I just wanted to give up. And what God did was God brought several new people into my life that just encouraged me, one of which is, is a guy named Daniel Lucas. Daniel Lucas planted a church in Moorhead, Kentucky. Anybody ever been or know about Moorhead? Raise your hand. Listen, Moorhead, Kentucky. planted a church three years ago. Today, this morning, over 800 people will be at Cross Point. And, and he just called me one day, and he said, he said, Mark, I want you to know God's not done with you. Mark, I want you to know God's going to use your life. Mark, I want you to know God's got great things ahead of you. And I'm telling you, God used that word to bring me to this stage today. Who one for him, encouraging me? I don't know. See, some of you just need to be encouraged. Hey, listen, God's using you. Did you know that? Some of you, here's what's awesome. Here's what I see every single week here at Summit. Is some of you, you've given your life to Jesus. You're inviting their, your friends. God is saving your friends. Isn't that awesome? God is using, yeah, that's great. 
You'd be encouraged. Hey, don't miss that kind of thing. God's at work. Kids workers, greeters. God is using you, the band, whoever. God is using you. You're, you're sharing the gospel with a coworker, your kids, and they just keep blowing you off. You don't know what God is doing in their hearts. Keep going. Encouragement can keep you going. See, some of you, what's happening right now is as we're doing this, God is bringing to mind people. You've, you've got their faces in your head. Their names are on your hearts. Hey, you know what? I need to call that person and encourage them. I need to call that person and provoke them because we need each other to keep us going. And last one, number three. Last one, number three. If we're honest, we need to admit, I'm not as strong as you think I am. I need you to keep me going, number two. And number three, I need you to keep me focused. I need you to keep me focused. Notice that he says we need to stir each other up and provoke each other and do all this stuff in verse 25 until the day draws near. The day. And do you see how day is capitalized? Listen, anytime a day is capitalized in the Bible, it's important. That must be a big day if it's capitalized. What is the day? Here's what the day is. The day is the day Jesus comes back and judges the world. And did you know that day's coming? Did you know that? Look at your neighbor and say, it's coming. It's coming. That day when Jesus comes back is coming. That day when you stand in front of him, it is coming. And here's what you need to know. It's closer now than it was when we started just a few minutes ago. It's closer now than it was when you woke up today. And if it doesn't happen today, and it could, it could. If it doesn't happen today and he lets tomorrow come, then it's closer tomorrow than it is right now. It is coming. That day, that day on God's calendar, it's in permanent end. Nothing shifts that one around. It's coming. And it is the biggest day on your calendar. It's the biggest day on my calendar. I don't know what's on your calendar. Maybe some deadline, maybe some Christmas party, maybe some gift you've got to get for your kids or that person in your life. The biggest day on your calendar is the day when Jesus comes back but listen, I just need to be honest and admit, isn't it easy to forget that? Man, it's easy for me to forget that. It's easy to just get caught up in the, all the flurry of activity and running around and doing all this stuff and forget there is a day coming in front of me that is way bigger than I can ever imagine. He is coming back. And some of you need to be reminded of that. You need to be reminded that the biggest thing going on in your life right now is what God is doing in your life and Jesus is coming. And on a real practical level, everything we've talked about, everything we've talked about this morning happens in life groups. Happens in life groups at Summit. Life groups, they're, 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 they're a place where you can go. They'll launch in January, January the 11th. They're a place you can go and people can look you in the eye and say, hey, keep going. Hey, don't give up. Hey, I struggle with that too. I mean, listen, we, we've done life groups for the past, couple, uh, past two weeks in a row just to test run, just to get some feedback. And here, one, it's been great. We, we gave people some surveys. Hey, what would you say to people who are thinking about getting in a life group? Several people put on there. Just do it. Just do it. Just get in one. Because listen, if you've been to life groups in the past two weeks, wouldn't you say it's encouraging? Man, it's encouraging to know the people, that, that you're not the only crazy one in this church, isn't it? That's awesome to know, man. That, that helps me out. It helps the preacher out. I don't know if it helps you out, but... But it's encouraging to know that you're not in this alone. It's encouraging to have people look at, hey, I'm going to pray about that for you. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to let you walk through that alone. You need to be in that kind of environment. And when they launch, you should just get in one. You should just come to them. See, but if we're honest this morning, if we're honest this morning, we would just have to admit 
I'm not as strong as you think I am. If we're, if we're honest, you, you would just have to admit that I need you to keep me going. If you're honest, you would have to admit that I need you to help me stay focused. Because here, here's, here's the dangerous thing that's in the room right now. Here's what's dangerous. Some of you are about to give up, and nobody knows. Some of you are hurting, and you're struggling, and nobody knows. Your marriage is falling apart, and nobody knows. You, you see your kids walking away, and you don't know if you can take it, and nobody knows. You stopped believing weeks ago, months ago, years ago, that God even loves you, and nobody knows that you're there. That's a dangerous place to be. God doesn't want you to be there. He, he so doesn't want you to be there that He sent Jesus for you. He sent Jesus who loves you so much that He came and lived and died and rose again so that you can be forgiven for your sins, so that you will never be alone, so that you won't have to go through this alone. And He loves you so much, He sent His Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, and to comfort you. And He loves you so much, He's given you the church. People who can surround you and say, I was there and God brought me out. And I'm sticking with you until He brings you out. I'm not giving up on you. I'm in this with you. You just need to be honest today and admit that that's where you are. Would you, would you pray with me today? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, I thank you that your word, God, it's not just some book written down on paper, written thousands of years ago and not relevant to our lives. God, your word is living and active and it cuts right to the heart of where we're at. And we've seen it today because your word is revealing to us, hey, I need help. I can't do this alone. I, my family, walking through some things. God, somebody's here. Huge decision they're about to make. They need some counsel. God, there are people who are here. They've never given their life to you. They've been trying to handle it in their own strength. And they, maybe they think that they're self-made. But even they, in a moment of honesty, would have to admit there are things every day that come down the pike that they can't control, that they can't contain. And it just shows they need a Savior. God, I thank you that we can be just blunt and honest with you and you don't flinch because you already know where we're at. As you're here and as you're praying today, I wonder if God has spoken to you today. I wonder if God has spoken to anybody today and you would say, Mark, you know what? I, I just need to admit that I'm not as strong as I want other people to think I am. Mark, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm struggling. I, I could really use some prayer today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? If that's you, if that's where you're at, don't be ashamed. There's no place to hide. Cover it up. God bless you. Hands are going up all over the room. God bless you. Put your hand down. Bless you. Put your hand down. Anybody else, you'd say that. God bless you. Put your hands down. I wonder if there'd be some, and nobody is looking, nobody is looking, but we just want to pray for you. I wonder if there's somebody here that would say, Mark, I'm on the verge of giving up, and I need prayer. 
If that's you, would you just be bold enough to raise your hand? We will not single you out, single you out or anything at all. Would you just do that today? We want to pray for you. God bless you. I want to pray for you today. And some of you are here and you know that you've never given your life to Jesus. And you've been coming here for several weeks and you know, and God knows, today is the day. Listen, you don't need to try to shove it off. Some of you are here, wow, I know I need to give my life to Jesus, but what if, what if, what if? Listen, the most freeing thing, the most liberating thing that you will ever do is have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You were made for it. He died for it. And today you can be... And to have that kind of relationship, to enter into that relationship, all you need to simply do is to go to Him and say, God, I am a sinner. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my life and save me. If that's you today, if you know you need to do that, I'm going to pray a prayer, and you just pray it right now, wherever you're at. If you would say, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. I want to have a relationship with Him. I want to live for Him. I'm going to pray a prayer. These are not magic words, but I've just found that they're very helpful for people in this circumstance. I'm going to pray this. You can pray this silently with me. You just need to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you know me and you still love me. Thank you that you died for me. I give you my life. I want to live for you. I love you. Amen. Listen, if that's you and you just prayed that prayer, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one is looking around. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. Would you just simply raise your hand to indicate I just prayed that prayer for the very first time? One, two, three. Would you just raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Hands are up. God bless you. Listen, whatever decision you made today, we want to know about it. Take a moment and write that on the back of the card. If you gave your life to Christ today, check that. We want to help you walk with that. In fact, listen, when you leave today in our ministry area in the back, there are people already there right now. If you just need to stop and say, I need prayer today, they would love to pray for you. I need to talk to somebody about the next step. I've given my life to Jesus today. We want to talk to you about that. That's in the back of the auditorium. Father, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you that you know us and you love us anyway and that you know us and you sent Jesus to die for us. Father, we love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Listen, let's give God, a, let's give God praise today for what he's done. Let's give God praise today that he would come and just meet with us. And, and before you leave today, we're going to take up our offering. Our ushers are getting ready. They're coming forward right now. And listen, we, love to take, we like to take up the offering at the end, after the sermon, after, because we view it as a part of the invitation. We view it as a part of worship. It's not just something we stick on at the end. It's a part of worship that says, God, we are giving ourselves to you. And listen, here's what we want to do at Summit. One of the things that we just really hold dear to us is we want to be upfront about communication and let you know everything that's going on. And so listen, when you leave today, I don't know if you saw this, we put just a really quick, rough version of our budget for 2012. Just so that you would know, this is where our church is at financially. And we put, we, we, we've got several sponsor churches. We put how much money we're going to get from them next year. But listen, uh, if this church, if you love Summit, if you're a part of Summit, Summit, then we would challenge you to give. You know, the Bible talks about giving. It talks about giving the tithe. And the tithe is really 10% of what God has given to us. 
Some of you, though, that's a really, that's a really big stretch. Some of you know if you gave 10%, you gave 1%. Your kids wouldn't have lunch today. Well, listen, don't give. We want your kids to have lunch. You don't do that today. We want your kids to eat. But maybe you should begin to pray, God, I know you want me to give. God, how would you want me to do it? And so we take this time every single week as worship because we give God our lives and everything that he's given to us. So listen, I love you guys more than you know. 2,000 invite cards out there in the back. And I believe that you guys are going to take them. We're going to invite like crazy and God's going to change lives at our Christmas service. If you've got your Connect card, and everybody still does, put them in the offering plates when they go around. Indicate any decision. We'd love for you to volunteer, be a part of Summit. And when you leave today, our ministry area, you take Bibles, you take whatever you need. Listen, love you guys more than you know. Our band's going to play us out today while they take up the offering. God bless you. invite you to stand with us as we close in worship this morning. Let's sing this out as we leave. Surely bore our griefs, surely carried our sorrows, wounded our transgression, crushed for our sin, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, by his stripes we are healed. Let
and sing all hail. All hail the glorious sovereign king who conquered death, his praises sing. Who laid waste all that lies between his heart and mine. This Christ, my king. God bless you guys. Thank you all for worshiping with us. You're dismissed.